We're going to go to a very familiar verse to many of you. If you've been saved for much time at all, you are probably familiar with Romans 8.28. And uh, we're going to take a look at that verse a little bit this evening and see why it's so important for us to have the right point of view when difficulty, when adversity, and when trouble comes. Yeah, you've heard me talk a lot about this subject on and off, not necessarily a whole message on it, but this will be a whole message on it. But uh, it, it is so important, and, and I believe, uh, I believe it, it fits every single person uh, in, in our church. I, I have said this, and, and I, don't, I, don't mean to, you know, I don't mean to overstate a matter, but honestly, uh, with the number of people that we have in our, in our church, in our congregation, I have never seen that size of people that have had different types of adversity. And when I, when I say that, I mean, you know, it, it, it varies all over the map. But in, in every family, I believe, in our church, there's been some, some pretty serious cases of adversity. It might be health, it might be family problems, it could be, could be job situations, it could be a myriad of things. One of the things that I, that I have learned over the years, and I'm still learning over the years, is that it is so essential and so important for all of us that when those things happen, you can see God in it. Uh, bottom line is, you lose sight of God, and you lose hope. You lose faith. You lose, you know, you lose uh, any a- any sense of the Lord's hand being being in your situation. So we're going to take a look at that tonight. The the title of the message is simply seeing God's hand. Let's all stand together. And I want you, to, I want you to, to read with me out loud verse 28. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Let's read it together. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you. Let's say it together. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon this time together in your word. And help us to see not only the importance of seeing your hand and knowing that all things really do work together for good, but Lord, uh, help us us to see why it's so important for us to have the right attitude and the the right viewpoint as we walk into adversity and we walk into trouble into our lives and it it comes knocking on our door. You've told us that man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. That means all of us have it and it it visits every one of our lives. And God, it is so absolutely essential that when those times come, that we know that all things do work together for good and we see your hand very visibly in it. We pray your blessings upon this time. I pray, God, did you give me the wisdom, give me the words, give me the understanding, help me to know what to say and what not to say. That might be a blessing and a help tonight. This is something that uh, is just, uh, 
just a very, very important topic and will visit each and every one of us. And it's important that we look at things from the right perspective. So lead, guide, and direct tonight. Speak to our hearts, please, we pray through your word for us in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Now, with that verse in mind, I want you to keep your, keep your hand here and go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I didn't have an opportunity. I didn't take the opportunity. I suppose I had it. I didn't take the opportunity to show this to, to Michael uh, the, this afternoon uh, after he got saved. So, Michael, this one's for you. Uh, 1 John chapter 5. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 is a verse that, uh, that, that we, I use a lot after I've just won someone to Christ to show them that uh, you, don't, you don't think that you have eternal life. You don't hope you have eternal life. You know that you have eternal life if you have believed on the name of the Son of God. And verse 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, those of you that have trusted Christ as Savior, you look at that and you say, Woo, man, that's good. Uh, that's a verse of assurance. Uh, that's a verse also of eternal security because it says, Know that ye have eternal life. And if you have it and it's eternal, well, then can it ever be stopped? No, it can't. God's not going to stop it. You can't stop it. And the devil can't stop it. Uh, you know, nothing can, can stop eternal life once it's been received. And you can know that for sure. Now, uh, I have never had uh, much trouble convincing folks of that that have, that have already been saved and giving that as an assurance to someone. They look at that and they say, well, that's what the book says. So I know that I have eternal life. I don't struggle with that. But we come to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and it says, And we know, same word, that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And we come to that verse, and sometimes we struggle with it. Sometimes we do. Uh, I don't care who you are, uh, you're, you know, you're not only are you uh, subject to trouble as the sparks fly upward, but you're also uh, subject to doubts and fears and all that other kind of stuff. And depending upon what hits you and how it hits you and when it hits you, uh, you may look at that verse and you might say, how in the world can a person uh, uh, know that all things work together for good? Well, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. A lot has to do with what perspective we look at things from and attitudes and responses uh, to things in our lives depend upon how we view the things that happen to us. Um, one of our greatest needs is to be able to view things from God's point of view, seeing things from God's point of view rather than our point of view. We have a tendency to look, because we're human, we have a tendency to look at everything from, from this angle instead of looking at it from this angle. Seeing things from God's point of view is really true wisdom. Uh, the book of Proverbs talks a lot about wisdom. And wisdom is just being able to see things as God sees them. 
And one of the things that is important for us to see as God sees them is, is all things that happen in our life. If, if we view things that happen to us from a humanistic point of view, rather than from God's point of view, the results are different. And the results often are things like bitterness and envy and jealousy and anger. Uh, we get fearful. We get disillusioned. We, we lose hope. Uh, we we, get, we uh, get disappointed uh, if we don't look at it from the right viewpoint, if we look at it from a human standpoint. If we view things from God's viewpoint, from God's angle of seeing things, then we see things differently. And the results are things like patience and love and forbearance and understanding and joy and peace. Uh, it, has, it has to do with how we look at it. Now, here's an example of it. Go to 2 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 12. And you know this, many of you know the story that the Apostle Paul had uh, a thorn in the flesh. And he had that thorn in the flesh right after God had given him a very special vision. He saw someone that was taken up into the third heaven. Personally, I believe what happened was God allowed, allowed him to die and then brought him back into his body. Uh, he saw some things that he couldn't even speak of. And uh, Paul knew that he, was, that he was given to pride. And uh, because he knew that, he also began to understand uh, why he got the thorn, why he asked three times for God to remove the thorn, whatever it was. It was sent by a messenger of Satan. And uh, uh, on the third request... God, God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now look at Paul's response to that whole thing. In fact, go with me. Uh, start in verse 7. It says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, one, one thing you got to give the Apostle Paul, he understood his weaknesses. If you don't understand your own weaknesses, you're going to struggle with all things work together for good. Because much of the adversity that comes into our life is to knock off the rough edges and to knock off the things that would cause us to go in the wrong direction in our spiritual life. He saw that in himself. And he not only saw it, he admitted it. And, uh, and he said, uh, th this is why God allowed this thing to happen. Lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing. Verse 8, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now that was the answer that God gave to him. Three times he asked God to, to remove it. There's no mention of the, of any answer after the first time, no uh, mention of any answer after the second time. But the third time, basically what he said was, no, I'll not remove it. But my grace is sufficient for thee. In other words, I won't remove it, but I'll get you through it. And I'll give you the strength to do so. Now, the rest of that verse tells you what his response was to it. 
And his response was, most gladly, gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Infirmities are weaknesses. Infirmities are problems. Infirmities are troubles, difficulties. He says, I'll gladly a glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, listen, if, if I have to make a trade, I will, I, I will take the power of Christ by gladly accepting the circumstances that God has put me in. What, what was he saying? He's saying, listen, I see God in this thing from beginning to end. I, I have a pride problem. God showed me some things he's never shown any other man up to this point. And God wanted to show them to me, but he didn't want me to get a big head about it. And that's my problem. So God allowed these infirmities, these difficulties to, to come across my path. And he accepts all this and he accepts it gladly. Now, that's a totally different viewpoint than oftentimes that we have when we go into, into problems and adversities. And then verse 10, he says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. What, he, what he's saying there is this. He says, listen, I, I, I take pleasure in them because I know when the, when the infirmity comes, when the difficulty comes, Christ always gives me more grace, more strength, more of his resources. And so when I'm weak, he comes in strong and does so on my behalf. And he says, that's really what I wanted anyway. See, his desires were in the right place. His, his whole attitude was, was in the right place because the thing he desired was to be stronger in Christ and for God's grace to be exhibited through him. Now, the, the, the same type of event can cause two different kinds of responses, and it all depends upon how we look at things. If you look at things from a human viewpoint, you're going to see it one way, and if you look at things from a divine viewpoint, you're going to see things another way. Here's a, here's a perfect illustration of this. Two different brothers from, from uh, two families, two men who, who had their, their brothers do them dirt, did them a dirty deal. The first guy was Esau. Esau's brother uh, took advantage of him when he came in. Jacob took advantage of him when he came in off the field one day. And, and uh, uh, Esau said, listen, I'm hungry, I'm famished. He says, I'm about to die. I got to have something to eat. And he had some pottage there. And uh, he says, well, what are you willing to give me for? He says, give me your birthright and I'll give you the pottage. Now, is that a loving brother? No. I mean, if you're, uh, hopefully, <laughs> if your brother or some other member of the family came in and said that they really wanted something to eat and you had something that they could have, you just give it to them. You don't sell it to your brother. That's not, that's not the family thing to do, but this guy did. You know, uh, Jacob was a conniver. And uh, he said, well, I'll tell you what, give me your, give me your birthright. And he was, a, he was the firstborn, and so he said, all right, 
I'll give it to you. Now, the Bible says later in the book of Hebrews, he despised his birthright. In other words, he didn't value it like God wanted him to value it. He didn't have the kind of values. He didn't have the kind of viewpoint that God wanted, us, wanted him to have. And because of that, he went ahead and said, okay, yeah, what good is it going to do me if I die? Trust me, he was not going to die that day, okay? But, uh, <coughs> but he says, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you the birthright. Then later on, when his father was, was uh, getting dim in his vision, was getting ready to, to, to give out the blessing uh, upon, upon Esau, Esau being the firstborn, and uh, Jacob's mother heard what was, what was taking place. And so when Esau went out to get some, some venison for his father, so that after he ate the venison, his father could, could bless him, uh, she went to, to, to Jacob. They went and they cooked up some other meat. They ended up, they had their own beast feast, I guess is what they had. But uh, uh, they, uh, they cooked up some meat and, and gave it to him. He faked, and I'm not going to go into the whole story, but he, he faked being Esau. And even dad said, boy, you know what? He says, you sound like Jacob, but he felt his, his arms and he put the goat's hair from the, from the animal that was, that was slain and mom knew how to cook it so that it tasted like venison. And, and he put his uh, hand on there and said, man, he says, but you're hairy just like Esau. You talk about hairy, he must have been hairy. I mean, you know, feeling like, go <laughs> like goat skin, like goat's fur. And anyway, so, so uh, he, he basically, he stole the birthright from his brother. And, uh, and his brother found out about it, came in later and said, okay, I'm here. Uh, and, I, and I've got the venison, and Dad said, what do you mean you're here? I just already gave out the blessing, and I gave it to somebody who said they were Esau. Well, of course, it was Jacob, and, uh, and, and Esau responded. The way that he responded is he got bitter. He got troubled. He, he became profane, the Bible says, and according to Hebrews chapter 12, he was also immoral. He had the, the absolute wrong response. Now, did, did Jacob give him a dirty deal? Yes, he did. From a human standpoint, did he have every right to be bitter? Sure. Did he have every right to say that he hated his brother and wanted to kill him? From a human standpoint, yes. But from a divine standpoint, no. And he didn't see God in that thing at all. Now, the other brother that that uh, had his brothers, uh, not just one brother, he had, he had all of the rest of his brothers do him a dirty deal, was Joseph. And uh, Joseph was taken by his brothers. They were jealous of it. And they took him. They, they put him in a pit with the idea of, of selling him into slavery. And uh, they, they decided they wouldn't kill him, but they would give him to a foreign power, a foreign country, and just get rid of him. And uh, he ended up, uh, somebody came along, saw him, and ended up taking him into Egypt. And, and uh, he became a slave for a fellow by the name of Potiphar. So he, he went into slavery. But as he served Potiphar, he rose to the top because he had the right attitude. And uh, uh, during that time, Potiphar's wife came along and falsely accused him. She, she wanted, she wanted 
to him to come into her in an immoral relationship, in an adulterous relationship. For her, it would have been adultery. And, um, and he said, no, no. He says, I won't do this to, to God, and I won't do this to, to Potiphar. And uh, she, she uh, tried, to, tried to wrestle with him a little bit, and he, she got his coat. He wiggled out of his coat, and he ran away. She turned that whole situation around and said, he tried to force me, not the other way around. And so Potiphar heard it, believed his wife, instead of believing Joseph, once again, had another dirty deal done against him because of what his brothers did, and uh, put, him, put him into jail. Uh, while he was in jail, there was two guys that came up to him and said they had a dream. And he said, well, I can go to God and find out what that dream meant. He did. Uh, one of them ended up uh, being, being killed as a result of uh, the king's actions upon him. And the other one ended up being exalted. Well, he said, uh, when, I, when, I, when I get there with the king again, when I get restored, I'll remember you. Well, he didn't. He forgot him. And then later on, when the king had a dream, uh, God brought back to his remembrance that there was a guy in jail that could discern those things. He pulled, pulled Joseph up, and if you know the rest of the story, he ended up telling, telling uh, Pharaoh what the dream was. He, he, he told him the interpretation of the dream, and then uh, God put him as number two in the kingdom. Later on, his brothers come to him. He's disguised. Uh, they don't recognize him. He tests them. And eventually, the whole family ends up coming back up in, into Egypt. Uh, and Joseph takes care of his family. And he reveals to his brothers who he is and so forth. You know what I don't find in that whole story of Joseph? I don't find one ounce of bitterness. I don't find one ounce of hatred. I don't find any, any indication of, of uh, animosity of any kind toward the brothers who did him wrong. I mean, you talk about, you talk about doing a dirty deal. Man, man, I, he, he just had, he had a horrible deal done to him. Now, what was the difference between Esau's response and Joseph's response. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 27. Genesis 27. And look at, look at, um, look at Esau's response according to Genesis chapter 27 and verse 41. It says in, in uh, 2741 of the book of Genesis, it says, And Esau hated Jacob because of the, of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother. He hated his brother. That was his response. You know what? You can never find anything like that coming out from, from Joseph. Instead, here's what you find. Go to, go to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. And when we come, when we come into the story, um, Joseph and his brothers have been restored. Joseph and his father have been brought back together. 
Uh, they're all living in Egypt together. He's taking care of them. And Joseph's father dies. And the brothers get worried because they say, uh-oh, now that dad's gone, we think that Joseph's going to come after us. And he wouldn't, didn't want to do it while dad was alive, but now that dad's gone, we're in trouble. And this is Joseph's response unto him. In fact, look up, the, look up in verse, uh, ah, look with me in verse 15. Let's get it in context. And when, when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall I say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil. And now we pray, we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Notice verse 20. But as, you, as for you, ye thought evil against me. Is he right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They did. But notice what his viewpoint was. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly uh, unto them. Why is that? Because he had a different viewpoint. You know, what he, you know what his viewpoint was? He saw God. He saw God's hand. Uh, he got that insight because he could see God in the thing right from the beginning. And, and by faith, he believed that God was going to take care of him. And by faith, he believed that, that God had a calling upon his life. He showed him something when he was uh, a, a young boy. He showed him a dream, showed him a, a vision, and uh, told him that one day his, his parents and his brothers would bow down in obeisance to him. In other words, he would be lifted up into a position of authority and he believed that thing. And according to that verse that we just read, that's what sustained him through the entire time. Now, now remember something, okay? Don't ever forget this. He didn't have a Bible like you and I got a Bible. Yeah, he, he didn't. You know what he had? He had a dream. <laughs> that was it. He had a dream. But it came from God and he knew it. And so he knew that God had made a promise to him, and he just held on to that promise. And because of that, everything that, that happened in his life, he saw it through God's eyes. Um, let me give you an, an example of how this, this can work. How many of you have ever, uh, have ever been in a car accident, whether you were driving or somebody else was driving, but you've been in a car accident, minor or major, it makes no difference. Okay, many of you, okay, so you'll relate to this. If you get into a car accident, there's two ways to look at the accident. You can look at it from a human perspective, or you can look at it from a divine perspective. If you look at it from the human perspective, you can get angry that it happened. 
Uh, we were, my wife and I were in Albany here years ago. It was when Bob Hart was, and his family were still there and he was pastoring. We went to visit and uh, we were stopped at a light. When we stopped at the light, a guy came behind us in a truck. We were getting ready to turn left. Guy came behind us in a truck and rear-ended us. What happened was the brakes gave out and it just plowed into us. Well, that can, that can mess you up. And that can certainly mess a car up. And, uh, you know, the, the, the human response to something like that is to get angry. Uh, you, can, you can get guilty for, for being responsible. You know, let's say you, you did something that caused the accident. I mean, you, you go through your mind. You know, you say, well, if, if only I'd done this, if only I'd done that. And, of course, that, uh, that's, that's an exercise in futility is what that is. Uh, you, can, you can blame others or you can blame circumstances. Uh, you know, you can tell somebody, well, if, if, if you hadn't sent me out to get such and such in the store, that wouldn't have happened. And, again, that's another exercise in futility. Um, humanly speaking, as you look at that thing, you can have sorrow over the loss of money because I don't care how much insurance you got, it's still going to cost you something uh, to get the, the uh, car repaired, to, to get to, if, if there's some kind of injury, to get that taken care of. You can have grief over the injury. You can have regret because of either your carelessness or somebody else's. Uh, you can get worried over what am I going to do over the next few days? You can uh, you can get anxiety over the repairs, or maybe maybe the whole thing gets totaled and you lose the car. Uh, th then loss of transportation altogether, and just just frustration sometimes over a a messed up schedule. You know, you can't have something like that happen to you, and not just have your your whole life just kind of be put up in the air and tossed around a little bit. So those are the ways that we respond when we look at things from a human perspective. But what, what if you get it in a, in a car accident, you look at things from a, a d divine uh, perspective? What are some things that, uh, some reasons why God allowed that thing to happen? Now, the, the truth of the matter is this. When we got rear-ended by that guy and we were stopped at the light, could God have stopped his truck? <laughs> yeah, and I, I, you know, again, if you've been safe for very long, You've had things happen. I, I had a deal just this last Christmas. It was Christmas Day. And uh, myself and my daughter and, and uh, Jacqueline were in the car. We were going to visit uh, Mrs. Shipman. And um, we were going down Genesee Street and had the right of way. There was no stop signs for us at all. Uh, it was uh, after we passed, I believe it was Seward Street, and we were coming to church. We had no more lights, no more stop signs, no more anything. And a guy in a beat-up truck was over to my left. And I saw the truck just start to move. I thought, well, I'm going to keep an eye on him, but I don't think he's going to go anywhere because he's got a stop sign. I've got it right away. He gunned it and came right out in front of us and then put on the brakes. And, and I, I shoved on the brakes, but I thought, oh, Merry Christmas to you. You're going to, you know, it's Christmas Day. I thought, Merry Christmas to you. You're going to have an accident. There ain't no way this car is going to stop. The car stopped just short, and it was probably inches short, of, of, of hitting him. I looked up at the, at the fellow that was driving. He got mad. He got mad. He got really upset. He put his foot on the accelerator 
and Gunn didn't want to cross. You know what I think? I think he really, he wanted to have an accident. <laughs> you know, he wanted to claim insurance or whatever. He had a beat up truck. Uh, trust me, my van isn't the greatest in all the world. It's better than his truck, that's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so those, those kind of things happen. Uh, uh, but but I, I really believe with all my heart. In fact, I, I look back at the girls in the back seat and I said, I really think that God stopped our car because we should have hit that guy. And we really should have. He was trying to hit us. Uh, he was trying to, well, he was trying to let us hit him, I guess. Uh, but uh, uh, so there are times when, when can God stop those things? Sure he can. Sure he can. But if you're looking at it from a, a divine perspective, you can, you can say, hey, why did God let that happen? And I've been in accidents where God didn't stop it, and we just went ahead and plowed right into somebody. Um, why why, why did, does he allow those things to happen? Well, it could be to show me that material things don't last whenever we get a new vehicle. I just expect in the next six months, something's gonna to happen to it. Somebody's gonna key it, somebody's gonna plow into it and take off in a parking lot or whatever. Um, and and, and, and I used, it used to frustrate me, but it frustrated me because I wasn't looking at it from the right perspective. The right perspective is, listen, listen buddy, uh, those things aren't gonna last. There's other things that will last for all eternity and that's where you need to set your affection. Uh, it was to help me set my affections on things above rather than things on this earth. Um, another reason why God could allow that, something like that to happen was to, to make me more alert and to make me more attentive. Um, when, I was, when I was a kid, right, right after I got my, my license, I lived in Rochester, and I remember going uh, to an amusement park. It's not even in existence anymore, but it was on Scottsville Road, and it was called Olympic Park. And uh, I went to, the, it was either the amusement park we went to or I was going to the, the bowling alley. They were right next to each other. And uh, when, I, when I went to pull out, I didn't negotiate properly. And I, I should have waited before I turned the wheel. I turned it a little too soon. And the front of my bumper just went right across this guy's, this guy's car. And I left a big long line right across the car. And uh, my, back then, I was a teenager. I don't think I was even saved yet. And I know I wasn't saved yet because I was 16. And uh, I remember saying, okay, if nobody's watching, nobody's around, I just take off. And I didn't do that. And I'm glad I didn't. I left the guy a note and ended up having to pay for his repairs and so forth. But you, you know what happened after that? I was very, very attentive when I pulled out. <laughs> and to this day, I still remember that thing. And uh, in fact, I was just pulling out of a, of a tight spot the other day. And I thought, ooh, don't turn too quick because you know what happens when you turn too quick. Um, so it'll, it'll, it can teach you something. It can, it can cause you to be thankful for God's protection on a daily basis. Uh, it can, it, God can use something like that to show me that, that life is a vapor. Uh, you know, there were times, and I, I, can't, I can't recall a specific right now, but there were times when I should have, like the one that I told you about on Christmas Day, um, there were times when I should have had an accident, and it could have been a really serious one. And yet, yet God prevented it from happening. I do remember one. I was coming through um, 
I was coming down, I think it was County Line Road. And I was thinking about something, I don't know what it was, and County Line Road crosses 20. And some of it had to do with the way that the brush was. And like I said, my mind was somewhere else. And I didn't see the stop sign. I went right through 20. And I mean, there were cars within a hair's breadth of me. And didn't realize what I had done until I was halfway in. And when I was halfway in, I realized I better get to the other side. So I did. Um, but it just, it, it, I, I can remember, I, I pulled over after that. I just sat there. And I was, I was absolutely stunned. And God protected me. He stopped me from, from, from having a, a T-bone and, and probably, probably dying in the accident. But, but what it does, it makes you realize that God's watching over you and makes you thankful for God's protection and thankful for, for God's watchfulness over you. Uh, it, it, uh, it, can, it can show you that, uh, uh, that it's important to be a good testimony even when it's not you that caused it. Uh, and, and even if it is you that cause it, to have the right response and the right reaction so that you can give the guy a tract or you can, you can uh, be a witness to the person. Uh, another reason why he could, he could allow it to happen is to, to make me humble so that I can obtain more of God's grace and realize that, you know, my, my life is in his hands. It can remind us that... Uh, that we're to be a good steward and, and be proper in the way that we drive so that we can have a car for a while. Um, to remind me that, that all that I, in this one, this, this happens all the time. Just reminding us that all that we have does not belong to us, it belongs to God. And uh, God's in control of all of it. He can, he can teach us how to, how to cry out to God in, in, in the day of trouble and depend upon him and to, to help me grow in grace and help me grow in faith, even though it's an adverse situation. It's, it's not a natural thing to see things from God's perspective. It's a supernatural thing. Your attitude toward God has to be right. Uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't be full of pride and have the right perspective. You can't, uh, you can't have bitterness and have the right perspective. You can't have anger in your heart and have the right perspective when those, those things happen. Um, it's, it's, it's a supernatural thing, but it's our responsibility to be in the right frame of attitude and mind and heart so that when those things do happen, we can see God in it. Um, God wants us to grow in discernment. And he wants us to see things in life like he sees them. Take your Bibles and turn with me. And we'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And look with me down in verses 12 through 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have use of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. 
But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. God wants us to grow in that area of discernment. And he wants us to be able to see things in life as he sees them. Um, how, how, can, how can I develop so that my viewpoint and my eyesight sees things as God sees them? There's just some things, that, simple things that we need to do. We need to yield our rights to him. And let him know that, listen, everything that I have belongs to you. And you can do anything with my life and anything with the things and people in my life that you would see fit to do. We need to be obedient to him. The Bible says that if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And, and God will manifest himself to us. What that simply means is as we're obedient, God shows himself to us in ways that we wouldn't see him otherwise. And we see God in our lives. We need to, to consider the, the opposite of our inclinations. The, the Bible says that uh, God's thoughts are not our thoughts and God's ways are not our, our ways. Uh, we need to, to just be spiritually minded. The um, Bible says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Uh, when, you, when you have, when you have an inclination to want to find God in the thing, you'll see him. You'll be able to see him. If you don't have that inclination, you won't. Uh, another thing, the Bible says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of, uh, of knowledge. Uh, you understand God more if you fear him, if you fear him. And then last of all, just simply loving God. Again, it says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. There's two things that you gotta, you gotta see. Number one, you gotta love God. And if your love for God slips, your divine eyesight and divine perspective on things will start to slip. And then secondly, understand that you're called according to his purpose. When I read that part of that verse, Reminds me of Joseph. Joseph never forgot the dream. Joseph never forgot the calling. Because of that, Joseph never got hopeless. Joseph never got bitter. Joseph never got angry. And when he confronted his brothers face to face, he said, you meant it for evil, and I understand that. But God meant it for good. And I'm thankful that he turned the things around and got his will accomplished through my adversity. He saw that because he had a divine perspective in his eyesight. What kind of eyesight do you have? Is it divine or is it human? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts tonight. Maybe there's something that we have looked at and... Uh, that has happened in our lives and we have responded with anger or we have responded with bitterness or we have responded with envy or any other attitude or action that is not of, of you. And uh, Lord, the reason why we have is because we just have not 
seen you in it. We've not seen you in it because we're looking at things from a human perspective instead of a divine perspective. I, I have found that one of the things that just really, really uh, keeps me straight is just making sure that my love for you doesn't slip. And when it does slip, so does my so does my divine perspective on things. I have a harder time when I don't love you like I should seeing you in all things in my life. God, I pray that uh, you would just work in our hearts tonight. Maybe there's, there's some, something, some incident uh, that we need to, to just lay at the altar tonight. Uh, and uh, uh, Lord, just be able to... Uh, give it to, back to you and then be able to see what it is you wanted and desired to accomplish in our life through that peace or act of adversity that came into our life. We pray, Father, that you would work in our hearts tonight. And God, as you do, may we respond right to you and uh, take care of those things that uh, we do not see from a divine perspective, but from a human perspective. May we start looking at them through your eyes. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand.